I literally moved to make sure this did not happen ever again. But you are in my house wearing that hat. I found it. Who gave you my address? That's not important. A real journalist never reveals their sources, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag press on. Welcome to The Lake Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. As I mentioned a second ago, I literally moved to make sure he would not be in my house, but he is. I'll promise you this, though. This is on Harrison. Harrison said to me, Anthony, we got a letter rip tonight. We're just going to, we're just going to, at no holds barred, take the, the entire More, Lakers this is, organization This is the task. tank show now. It's not the lake show. We are the tank back. show. We, yeah. I, I messed We've up come the, full circle. We should redo the intro. Welcome, everybody, to the Team Tank Podcast. We are back, everybody. Are you excited? We should have done that if we were good at this. Yeah, I, we're not, though. Um, <laughs> so we uh, Today's show is going to be pretty straightforward. We're honestly just going to – we have the microphone on. We're going to mention – let everything out there to be heard about how we feel about this Lakers organization right now. Uh, we are then going to have a little bit of fun because we don't want to be complete downers. We want to, we put together, we compiled the list of the guys that the Lakers have added, not including draft guys. Uh, We we have compiled a list of the guys that the Lakers have added and the guys that the Lakers have lost over the last few years. We're just looking at their NBA player evaluation because Uh the scouting of college prospects is very different. And it was a team that was already there. Yes. Like that wasn't this front office who hired those people. To do that aspect, yeah. run that aspect of the So we're looking at the NBA decision-making. Yep. Uh, so we're going to pit the guys added against the guys who uh, were were let go and see how those rosters would look against each other. And then finally, Harrison, uh, Harrison actually read the Byron Scott chapter that he's in charge of. Uh, Every time you say that, I feel I get excited for a second because I'm like, oh, I get to send a tweet from his account, like yeah. instinctively still. This is how much our old podcast has broken my brain. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you actually read your chapter of Byron Scott's book in my house. During halftime. During I half-time. think it honestly might have swung the game for the Clippers. Might have. I think it was like opening a bad halftime speech. Opening that book during halftime yeah. just like sent bad juju into the TV. Right. So you read that. You were laughing on my couch while you were while you were reading that. So I think we might be in for a pretty good chapter there. Speaking of Byron, can I can I just really quickly like he went on the jump and spoke at length about what is wrong with the Lakers right now. It's going to shock you to find this out, dude, but, but apparently it's still the kids. It's still the kids' fault. Some things never change. A tale as old as time. <laughs> what? <laughs> How do you just? I don't want to. I don't want to get sidetracked criticizing Byron when there is so much current bit bad Lakers. Like, Lakers like badness. Byron, Byron is an extension of what makes the Lakers bad currently, right? Like, like he is. Well, he just is in what that ails, it's outmoded thinking. Like that whole Showtime of, Lakers team, outside of James Worthy, who's kind of come around recently. He he was at. He had actually been willing to take the Lakers to task. 
He criticized no, Lakers Worthy culture. He's pretty much real- has always told it like it is, he- other than with Byron, which I can kind of understand because like Best there's friend. a reason that like you don't normally have journalists cover their friends, and mm-hmm. so uh, James Worthy is not a journalist, but like he was you Same know an thing. analyst, and he was not going to ra- rag on his best friend, which I understand. And then, and, yeah, uh, but Kareem also, I'm not, I'm not qualifying as part of this. Well, of Kareem this group. went such a different path from basketball after yeah. he retired that. But those Showtime Lakers, man, they, they I, I've used this this comparison before, but we've all been there in high school when the guy who re, who graduated like three years ago still comes around football games to remind you how much better his team was than the teams that, that are currently playing there, even though it's probably not true and there's no way to really actually compare those two teams. That's like me when I go up to the Daily Titan and I tell them how much better my staff was. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, well, unfortunately, your cha- your staff is still their their staff because you're still there somehow. Yeah, it's true. Uh, all right, so let's let's just dive into this though. Uh, I'm gonna let you start. I have been railing against the, this current organization for about as long as I can remember. Uh, you and I were in pretty early on some of the concerns in how this organization came together, but like from where you're sitting. What do you think so everybody is asking that some version of this question what how who gets the most blame how does that pie get divvied up like how from Let, where let's you're be, sitting, let's make the whole pie tonight the but whole pie let's is make being the made. whole pie yeah. but i i think if we're divvying up like where the majority of the Lakers' problems lie. I think that, you know, we're, we're talking we're talking front office, we're talking coaching, we're talking players, we're talking everything. Um, ownership. Like as far as uh, ownership, like we're, if we're looking at all of these and what percentages or what size slice of that pie they're mm-hmm. getting, like I, th- I think you, you have to give the biggest one to, well, I almost consider the ownership and front office in lockstep because yep. they're so intertwined at this point. It is like, now. Um, you know, I, I feel like the biggest portion of the blame has to go there because it, it's like there are a lot of flaws with this team. And again, I'm not saying this. Uh, this does not mean that everyone else that you think should take more blame is being absolved here. This is not me absolving them. Right. Yeah. I just think we're going to divvy up the pie. Yes, we're going to talk about what is wrong with everyone, mm-hmm. but including ourselves. Um, and. I just think that, like, for me, the front office and the ownership is where all of this starts because that's where you get this culture of just, like, Lakers exceptionalism. And mm-hmm. we make we make jokes about it and we talk about it like, like it's something funny or like, oh, yes, Lakers exceptionalism is back. The Lakers are finally good. Like, fans are going to make it miserable for everyone else on Twitter and all that stuff. But, like, Lakers exceptionalism at its core started as a criticism of this team like that thought that uh, of the last front office really where they thought that just because they were the Lakers that they, they could, could get, get stars so they could so get whatever so so. Mm-hmm. tell me what is fundamentally different about Rob uh, Rob Plink and Magic Johnson's approach other than that they signed LeBron which I think a lot of people would say probably does not have a whole lot to do with them and has a lot more to do with LeBron wanting to make movies and wanting to his family to live in Southern California and wanting to start Starting a jump, starting his business stuff here. Like outside of that, it's it's the same Lakers exceptionalism approach of we are the Lakers, so but we we will free up cap space and players will sign with us and we will hack the league and we will have a super team mm-hmm. and we are going to have new Showtime and dominate everyone again because this is what the Lakers do and this is what we are entitled to. This has and always been the case, though. No, no exactly. It's, it's, it's always been like this. Well, and so what this I'm saying, people like Magic. They don't like Jim Bus. 
Well, exactly. And so magic is a far more charismatic version of uh-huh. it. And so it's taken people, although people have started to shift on Magic oh, yeah. Johnson. I've definitely seen it. And rightfully and, so. Yeah, and rightfully so. And I, I think that, like, this idea of Lakers exceptionalism, like, this is where you get this idea that just because we are doing something, it is smart. Not we should try and do, like, like oh, these other, like, this dismissive idea that they had during, like, the, during Summer League where he was talking about all the teams in the playoffs that were based around shooting, mm-hmm. you know, like, didn't go anywhere. So we tried to get tough-minded playmakers and whatever. Like, the problem is, like, like this Lakers exceptionalism is what leads to this idea that you can outsmart math. Mm -hmm. Like, three is worth more than two. That is just a reality of this. And so you can have all the hard-nosed playmakers you want. You and I were talking about this during the game. Like, the reason Lakers, uh, Avica Zubats, over the weekend, uh, all-time 50 shades of shade quote, I don't think that we have to do the full segment. We can both agree that it was a 50 where he was, okay. uh, Somehow 55. Yes. In case you may, we may have to retire the segment after this. Somehow Uh Avica, he was talking about how, you know, the Lakers never blew anyone out while he was there, and they never took care of business like that, and, um, you know, how he watches all their games and he feels like he could help them but hey they're not his team anymore and he can't control it It was all time shade anyway going to the blowouts thing the reason the lakers didn't blow anyone out this year at least in my mind is like they had the defense to do it they just didn't have the shooting if you're never if you can't make threes and you can't have random parts where you go on hot runs and you out and you just blow up on the other team you're never going to build these big leads you're constantly going to be giving teams that just if they just make a couple lucky threes they're back into it where you're fighting and grinding and beating each other to a beating yourselves to a pulp and we're seeing that with all these injuries to get these two point baskets or you're just missing threes and so either way you're just you're in a rock fight but the other guy has an ak-47 that he just has to figure out how to reload and so like that is the situation that you but but because he's magic johnson and you know oh he played basketball during showtime he has decided that you know the these rules do not apply to the lakers and you know like i I was open to the argument that maybe they had a little bit more shooting than was thought and then i think this is where it almost goes a little bit to the coaching and i do feel like there are some guys on this team that did not shoot as well as they could have you can blame the players some for that but i think you also have to blame there weren't a whole lot of great threes being generated this offense was not generating a lot of corner threes. I, I can't imagine they're very high in the league in amount of corner three point attempts. And so, like, and that's just one example mm-hmm. of this. And so, like, I'm not, again, this is not to say that this is all the front office's fault, but I think that. You know, I think the majority of this goes to roster construction. Like, you can criticize Luke. Like, Luke Luke took a bad hand and played it as poorly as he could have. You right. made the analogy before. I, I agree with that. I think that the, the first time, the Bucks game was the first one where I actually sat there live in the building. And I was like, yeah, Luke lost this game. That, mm-hmm. that was on Luke. Um, with the insistence on playing the all-bench lineups and all of that stuff. And I'm sorry, I know I've been talking for no, a long time it. here. But... I, I think it's therapeutic. Yeah, well, I think like that's the part that goes back to the coaching is by not you aren't making the situation better. Like Luke did not fix anything yeah. necessarily this year, but he was not dealt a great hand to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so even though they're going to scapegoat Luke, we all know it's coming as soon as the season is over. Maybe by the time this podcast is over, who knows? Um, they're going to scapegoat Luke for this, and they're going to say we need to bring in a championship winning coach that can develop a relationship with LeBron or whatever they're going to say. Mm-hmm. Like if they don't take the hard lesson of missing the playoffs here and look in the 
mirror and say, maybe we need to reevaluate some of the way we do things. Maybe we shouldn't overrule our scouting department to draft Mo Wagner because we saw him play against our alma mater twice. Like maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't just do things and decide that like we are infallible because we are the Lakers and we deserve success. We are entitled to success and we will get success. They need to look in the mirror. And if there is not some soul searching from the front office about the way that they've approached things, the way that they've attacked the margins, like we're hearing rumors today, maybe the, these will have come to fruition by the end of this podcast, but that the Lakers might be like, like that the Lakers want to add another center. There's been speculation about Marcin Gortat. Like if the Lakers were to actually add Marcin Gortat, that would mean that they are adding a player who was waived to make room for a player that they traded to replace the player that they traded for. Who is now starting. Yes. <laughs> Like, that's just terrible asset management in it a is. nutshell. And it is. so, like, they, they haven't managed these things on the margins very well. And oh, Very like, well. <laughs> very well. Like, they have what what marginal. So they have the Reggie Bullock play, which is a, I, I thought, a very, very, very good acquisition at the time that they made it. Unfortunately, it cost them Svi Mikhailuk and a second rounder. Uh, which, like, you know, at the time, maybe you thought you'd give up one or the other. But at the end of the day, you got somebody who could help then. Yes. Right? So that's... The, re- the Reggie Bullock move was fine. That's that's the one good marginal move that they have made. They haven't made a single good their, marginal their move Their signings anywhere this offseason do not give a whole lot Unmitigated of disaster. Yeah. Well, I want I want to go back to a point that you made. So you, you, you lumped in, and I mostly agree with it, that you said that you're lumping in... The ownership in front office right now, this very moment, because they are they are they they tied each other themselves until to each until other. Jeannie stops calling anyone who questions Magic Johnson fake news. Like they're mm-hmm. intertwined. That's uh, how, that's I, how it is. I have thoughts on that, but I will not give them on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I will. I, I but I want to go back to. I, I mostly agree with it because right now they are tied to each other. They tied themselves to each other by design, but. If you're talking about Lakers exceptionalism, to me, the most damning aspect of Lakers exceptionalism that has actually gone on here was that there was no candidate search. It was magic, and it was nobody else that was, that they looked at. And the reason that that was the case was because it was magic freaking Johnson. And if we're the Lakers and we consider ourselves exceptionalism, exceptional uh, above all else— then we are going to look at the greatest Laker of all time, and he's going to work because he is the greatest Laker of all time. And nobody else was fit to, to seen as fit to, to to make that step into that spot, right? And then and then they're going to double down on that ideology, and they're going to go with Rob Palenka because he stood next to Kobe for twenty years, and and not because of qualifications that he has. He it, personally, well, he was touted. He was touted as a cap guy, and he was pseudo-touted as a guy who knew how to tamper well and skirt the rules. And then... There there were implications. And then what happened? Well... (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And look, I... I can't even blame Palenka. He's brand new to this spot. So usually, usually the the way intelligent organizations are run, if you're going to hire somebody who is going to be, you know, this brand new, a person who is brand new to their job in an industry that is as competitive as the NBA is, you hire somebody alongside that person who already kind of sort of knows the ropes in the actuality of the role that they're going to be doing. 
it, if only, and it's not even, it's not even that, like, let Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka each have their own merits, like, uh, just by themselves. I guess. They, they do on some, like, Magic as a recruiter and all that stuff. Like, theoretically, those things are strengths. Mm-hmm. But you need to have somebody with NBA experience, like you're talking about. Like, if only there had been maybe the greatest NBA executive of all time looking to move home to LA and work for a team around there at, around for. the same time. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but there was no candidate like that, obviously. No. Well, and then Jerry West in an unrelated, definitely move not somebody went who's to the, the father of yeah. one of the person who works uh, for the Lakers currently. Yeah. But and there, and there again, like the, the, the thinking there or the explanation there, the reported explanation there was that Jeannie didn't trust Jerry because of the way things went down while Phil was still in town. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's her decision to that will not that is literally her decision to make. She made the decision, but she also has to sit with the ramifications of said decision. Like you can you can outvalue and overweigh uh, personal trust to that person who you are choosing not to hire, who wants to be a part of your organization there. But you also have to do you also have to walk around with the egg on your face when that when that blows up in your face, right? Like that yeah. that's that's how this is yep. gonna go. And this is where And eventually the time will come like I, I am all for the the only reason that I'm saying like people like don't completely you know give up yet is that you know, you have to give these people a time to make a second hire and all of that stuff. Like, we can't, we can judge them based on what we know right now, but we also, we, the one thing that we can't do is act like the, they like have, everything is concrete, set in stone as it's going to be forever. They have so like precious little rope to work with. They have very little rope to work with, but. There is, we, have, we have to at least acknowledge that there is a possibility that they learn from this and that either someone is experienced, brought in to work with Rob and Magic, that Rob and Magic themselves learn from these experiences. Does Magic look like the learning type? I'm, I'm not saying that this is what I believe will happen. I'm saying that we have to allow... <laughs> maybe. For, for what, our own that sanity, could, maybe this could that happen. That it could happen. <laughs> Magic could learn from this. Maybe. And not, you know, overrule his scouting department to watch a guy that he to draft a guy that he watched like twice. A I, I, I want to, but would you would you roll though that so we we're, if we're divvying up the pie here, I agree that the the lion's share of it, the biggest slice of the pie goes to ownership slash front office. But to me, like maybe I think they, if we're if we're divvying up the pie within the pie, like their slice of that pie, I think a much larger chunk larger chunk of it goes to the person that hires. The people who who messed up this season so royally, like if you if if somebody well, ultimately puts, yes all the all, and Jeannie wouldn't even deny this. If, ultimately if, all the blame for anything that goes wrong with the Lakers ultimately falls in Jeannie's lap. She and she would say that. As maybe well. like, no, she has. She said that before, and maybe. so maybe how much does she actually? But I don't know. But she said that before. So like I, I think she would. Understand she said that. it. She said it when it was a hypothetical. Yeah. She has not said it when it when it's an actual uh, actual reality of the situation. Like she has yet to actually cop to that blame, and the chance that she had to do so, or the chance that she had to do so on behalf of the Lakers who screwed up the, the trade deadline the way that they did, when she had that opportunity, she called it fake news man like these people are not the kind of people i don't think who just cop to stuff because they can 
Like, if well, she see, makes a mistake, it's a lot easier to say that. It's a lot easier to say, well, if a mistake is made, it's going to be on my. This is it's is my organization from here on out, right? When that's when when you believe in the, the hires that you make, but when those hires that you make screw up a season the way that they did, and that time comes to actually take that blame, I don't know if she will. I hope she does, but I don't know if she will. And she had an opportunity to do that, and she didn't. Yeah. So if I'm if so we we, we move on from the front office. And we the talked ownership. about so we talked yeah ownership front office. We talked a little bit about Luke. In terms of the players that are involved, yeah, I think both of us have said enough on Luke. I hope that everyone understands that this is not again. This is not us absolving Luke. Like I think, let's real quick. We've talked a lot about Luke mm-hmm. over the past couple yeah, of weeks I, and whatever. Like I, I think I said it in the, before. I think that he has made the worst of a bad situation mm-hmm. rather than made the best of a bad situation. Right. I think that one, one thing that we haven't probably talked enough about is how quickly. People love it when, you know, you're a rebuilding team and you just came off of having Byron Scott as your coach. When you're saying, oh, I really thought the team went out there and competed tonight. I I was really proud of their effort and stuff like that. Because when you're with a team with no expectations that's rebuilding, like the D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, um, you know, even Lonzo Ball teams of last year. uh, People want to hear that about their young players. Like, oh, man, they're really trying hard. I really this makes me happy. I'm like, we lost. But, you know, I didn't expect to win. And it's great that they're trying really hard. I'm glad. Um, it's like in what Little people Giants don't want to hear. Says, we gained a yard. Yeah, <laughs> what people don't want to hear is that exact phrase. Like people don't want to hear like, "Oh, we competed so hard after like the team basically just got eliminated from the playoffs." Yeah, and there were like obvious low effort plays that anyone watching on TV, anyone Kuzma in that building, the Lakers got LeBron booed. And, yeah. The Lakers got booed by their fans in the building because they felt, and I'm not going to say that Lakers fans are always the arbiters and like of reason, but like there was reason to boo tonight. Like yeah. there was a play, the play that will the emphasize season essentially ended the play that will emphasize this game. And maybe this season to me most uh, tonight was uh, from tonight was jo- Lou Williams got a steal on a LeBron turnover in transition. So, um, you know, LeBron like made a mistake mm-hmm. and one of his teammates needed to cover for it. So Josh Hart ran back in transition, try and block Lou Williams, made a great contest, forced Lou Williams to kind of adjust his shot. Lou Williams bonked it off the rim. And I was like, Oh wow, that was really lucky. Lou Williams, Lou Williams, who is like, he's listed like what, 6'1? I don't know. Yeah. Lou Williams probably isn't even that. Mm-hmm. Lou, William, Lou Williams collects his own rebound with not a Laker in sight mm-hmm. and finishes the basket as LeBron kind of lightly jogs back in transition. I get he's recovering from an injury, but like you, the playoff lives are on the line for this mm-hmm. team. And you're telling me that not a single other person on that floor could have hustled back to try and, like, just in the eventuality that maybe there was another rebound and need it. Like, that's where we're at. You can say some of its injuries. You can say this team is worn down. You can say that morale's bad, but ultimately, like, this team had, like, this team did not play like a team that was willing to do everything necessary to get into the playoffs with the exception of a few guys. Like, Josh Hart, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Josh Hart. He, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, he showed a lot of heart mm-hmm. by going out there the last couple weeks. He was not always good, but he was giving it everything he had, and he was on, like, zero, precisely zero healthy knees. Like, yeah. Josh Hart was not healthy at all, and, you know, there were times where that hurt the team, and there were times, like, tonight where he really helped keep them in that game. Mm-hmm. And especially defensively, being able to guard larger players. And well, like, that's the thing. It, in those times where he wasn't hitting shots, which was the vast majority of the year of 2019, 
he was still working his ass off, ass off yeah. on defense. And, and you know, for, for a lot of those guys who were KCP, for example, right? He didn't shoot particularly well in 2019, and he also didn't provide defense, KCP right? KCP has been floating for a while. I want, I, wanna, I want to, so we talked, you know, again, not to absolve Luke. Of of any of these issues, I, I no because the, part, the coaching of it, staff part of the coaching together part part of the coaching stuff is getting your players to buy into. Yeah. And even if he wasn't dealt a great hand in that respect either, based on all the rumors and like that's not an easy situation to mm-hmm. rally your locker room in. But still, it's still your job. Regardless, you right. still have to try and make the best of it. Like it, it may be, you know, like if I hand you like if I, if I hand you a bunch of like ingredients from the ninety nine cent store and I ask you to make a five star meal, you're not going to be able to do it. But maybe you can make something okay mm-hmm. instead of just handing me uncooked pasta. Hey, vegetarians exist. Like they aren't given the best ingredients and they still find food that they I can thought eat. my black bean burger at Chili's was excellent tonight. <laughs> Case in point, right? Yeah. If you're getting like the best ingredients, often involve meat. To a certain extent, but Chili's and, made the best of it. There you go. They yeah. did. They did the opposite of what Luke has done this season. Uh, I want to. I want to go again. We've mentioned a couple times now the idea of Lakers exceptionalism getting in the way of how a, a an organization should actually run. And one of the points that I made after the game ended tonight was that no matter how this offseason goes in relation to acquiring a superstar. What the Lakers need to stop doing is trotting out one-year guys with this idea that because they're the Lakers, those guys are going to buy in to what is actually best for yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, this argument that, like, I mean, the Lakers had more national TV games this year, but the argument that, like, you're going to be on national TV more, which is going to be good for your free agency, I think is probably outdated yeah, in 2019. a little bit. Where, like, most teams can just, like, watch whatever games they want. Yeah, and most most fans like other than the Suns, I assume the Suns don't pay for League Pass, but like, um, like outside of them, Sarver won't pay for it until he knows for a fact he can. He's write like, that you shit better up. show me some <laughs> results from that, like that. Why this will make you better? Like, why can you not just scroll Twitter like everyone else? <laughs> just follow Worldwide Wob. So that's who, what I'm saying. Who is it the future GM of the Lakers? Of the Lakers, way. possibly. Uh, but I, I do want to. So, so this idea, though, of all of these, all of these uh, free agents, these guys who are on one-year deals that are expiring at the end of the year. Like, I think this has been a legitimate plague on the organization. And after the break. We got to go into that because this is a trend that has gone on for more than we, half. We a also need to talk about the elephant in the room that is more of a lion. Oh God. I'm nervous now. What elephant is in the room that is more of a lion? LeBron, the king. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we'll get to that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I promise. Yeah, yeah. He deserves a ton of blame too. Uh, but I, I do think though that like this idea. So it was Ronnie Price. It was. Uh, Corey Brewer, it was Wayne Ellington, and those are the decent examples. Those are the guys who actually did kind of buy in and 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 fulfilled their roles decently. This year, Wayne Ellington been, is still a fan favorite. He is. Yeah, the people were like really hoping he would come back. Jody Meeks is, and I'm not convinced that, that man should ever be allowed to dribble a basketball. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, but you look at the other side of that coin, guys who did not fully buy into the team concept because their 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 uh, contracts were up at the end of the and year. And before we come off as anti-player, I want to say I don't totally blame them given no, their contract yes, situation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. These but, guys have a finite number of years that they can actually earn a a a, a 
a an income that they can live on for years in, after If, I, if I'm not locked career. in for the next four years, I'm not diving into the stands for loose balls, you know? Yeah, I guess. I, although some people do get contracts for that stuff if you're gritty. Sometimes. If you're catching my drift. In Utah, I just winked. Yeah, was, that was odd. But that was that didn't work in <laughs> podcast form. I realized after. Also, I Also, you winked at me, so I don't yeah. know if I can go on. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it was great for those of you getting the visual version of this podcast, which is just me and Anthony. It, and Harrison is wearing a fedora, and it's true. And there's a, like he looks like he's wearing blue lenses because the, my computer screen is is. Anywho, but but this idea that because the Lakers are the Lakers, that these guys will buy in in ways that they wouldn't buy in to other organizations. Like this is just another example of of the the, the downside. I've always kind of laughed at the idea of Lakers exceptionalism uh, as it pertains to just thinking that superstars are going to play for the Lakers because like that's obviously untrue. Like that's that's obviously not the case. But other than LeBron, but ways, but well, sure, yeah. But like they're what one for eight over the last, <laughs> right? Like so. So if if we're if that that they aspect really are of it, run by Kobe's agent. <laughs> the, that's uh, <laughs> six for twenty. I was like, I had everyone, and then now I said that, and everyone's yeah. gonna be mad at me. It was just a joke, guys. I promise. I'm just kidding. I like. I can't turn it off. The sarcasm. But I'm kidding. That was not. So, a sh- I'm sorry. But this idea though that I, that that because it is the Lakers and the Lakers are exceptional and that the Lakers have all these wing rings and every single there's this scene with every single uh free agent that the lakers add that they walk them into genie's office and genie says look at all these championship trophies and it's all i don't know why i did that in like jack nicholson's voice yeah. but, but but for but every single one of them they walk in they see those trophies and for some reason it's supposed to mean shit to them like some of these guys didn't grow up in los angeles so like, why would i care about the trophies that the lakers won in years past when my contract is up at the end of the year I, that doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, I could see the argument for it. Like, if you're bringing in a guy that, like, to a clearly title-contending team, then maybe that effect. Like, look, we get we but get this haven't. over the finish line here. They aren't. No, they aren't right now. But I'm saying, like, I think in that situation, maybe it does. But overall, no, but I saying, think I agree. I'm saying over right the now, last, over yeah. the last like six, seven years, why would that matter to those people? No, their contracts they going to be around. They're not. Yeah, they're going to be gone. Their contracts up at the end of the year, and and, and uh, frankly, all the ve- most of the veterans have played like it over the last couple yes. years. I, I don't blame Tyson Chandler. I think that Tyson Chandler, if it's Tyson Chandler could, would, would be giving exactly what he was giving the Lakers early in the season. Tyson Chandler is very, very hurt and has mm-hmm. been for a while. Yeah. Uh, JaVale McGee, I think, has it, some of it is due to injuries and overusage and whatever, but some of this is just, you know. He doesn't out. care. Yeah, he doesn't care. And he doesn't care. He shouldn't really. Why should he? Well, they, tried it, they, they were well. Actually, I guess he was the one guy that they didn't try to trade at the deadline. Right, but you know, like he he didn't have a great relationship with Luke. I think that was pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think again, they, what reason did they give him to buy in? Once, well, they tried like, to get once try- he stopped playing as much, and he wasn't it, what he wasn't going to be able to set himself up for his next contract. They tried to like, give him a reason by waving Zubats, tra- and I think well, uh, yes, by trading Zubats. Oh, well, they might as well have waved him yeah. for what they got back. Actually, that might have done <laughs> more harm, right? Because anywho, but it, they, I think, once they try to do him that favor, I think he. If you're if you're if you're going with this, why should he have cared? My answer to that would have been they tried to give him a reason to care. And he still didn't 
right? So to, to that, you know, for that as an example, Lance Stevenson, honestly, of the guys who the Lakers signed, I have my least amount of complaints with him. He's Lance Stevenson. Nobody should have expected anything. He, he from did him. he did Lance Stevenson things all year. Rajon and then Ron- he's been hurt lately. Rajon Rondo was like, you know, I, I guess he was good with the kids and stuff like that. But really, at the end of the day, on the court, he did more harm than good. And it was because of his own shortcomings as well. Yeah, overall on the year, he did. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and so you look at all of these guys. Although, again, the, he's one of those guys that I think that has a complicated case because we may be in a couple years if, – if Lakers, well, the Lakers aren't going to keep any of these kids, but if they did in a theoretical <laughs> world, like these guys might be crediting like something Rajon Rondo taught them during their season together or whatever, you know. Maybe like one I, day I, Lonzo Ball will be like, you know what? I yeah, got when really Lonzo, good at Connect Four while yeah. I was out. Shouts to Rondo. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of, all right, so so we also, I also want to talk about, and I promise, I promise you guys we will get to, to LeBron James, but I, here are a couple of examples of the Lakers are the kind of organization, if they're doing something well, they're going to let you know about it, right? If they are confident in an aspect of their organization, they're going to they're gonna scream it from the hilltops, i.e. the way that they show off their trophies to everybody who yeah. will look at them, right? Their analytics department, we don't hear about hardly ever. Hardly Luke, ever. Luke mentions stuff that they give him sometimes. Every so often, yeah. but the Lakers as an organization hardly ever mention them, right? Yeah. Uh, the only, the, the, the actually, the, the the most I've really ever heard from their analytics department was one time I got um, their former analytics director, I got her title wrong in a post and she emailed me about it asking if I would change it. There you go. And that was it. That's it. So... Again, if if we're rolling off of if we're rolling with the amount of pub that these that the Lakers offer to these various aspects of the organization, like the the drafting, the the the, the scouting department, we hear about that a lot because they're really really good, right? We don't hear about the analytics analytics department hardly at all. The training staff, the medical staff, all of these all of these aspects of the organization that we don't hear about very often, and and when we do hear about them, it's as a as a form of speculation on. On the part of the the fans who are sitting there wondering, like I don't know shit about medical stuff. I married a doctor. That's the extent of my knowledge on how a good medical staff should run. What I do know, though, is that the the the, the Lakers just kind of rose Marco Nunez up through the ranks, right? And they and and once again, the candidate pool, the the hiring process that went into it. Not all that extensive. The the the, the training, the, the conditioner that they they hired, the, the conditioning ex- expert the conditioner. that they hired. Yeah, <laughs> their hair is glorious. Yes. Uh, but the 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 trainer that they hired, uh, who was the Kardashians trainer. Once again, like we didn't hear very much about the the process that went into to landing that person, and we never really heard from that person once it, once they were hired, and. You know the Lakers' key players missed a significant portion of the, of the season. So, like these these aspects of the organization that we should be hearing about that have to be strengths. And the Lakers, by the way, have all the resources to have the best at each and every one of these aspects of the franchise. Are not they do not have those people, and or at the very least, if we know if we don't know for a fact that they don't have those people, we know that they aren't willing to brag about those people, which again tells me that I don't think they have the best people in those positions, and it it forces you to ask, why the hell not? Yeah, where else are those resources it's going? A, it's a fair point. <laughs> I don't know where these things are going, and 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 it just comes back to like 
when we talk about divvying up, when we talk about divvying up blame, I it, I just think it's it's an organizational issue. It's not a coach thing. It's not even a front office it's thing. In the walls. It's it's yes. It's 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 rot. It's literal mediocrity that has seeped into the fabric of this organization. And and if they're ever going to figure this out, they're going to have to go to a dry cleaner. And 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 hopefully that person that the the, the search that they put this the, to to try to find the cleaner to go to isn't just hey, do you sponsor the Lakers? Right? Uh, do we have any relationship with you prior? Yeah. It, that's that's where we're at. I want to talk about LeBron though. How yeah. do you how do you what what type of blame do you assign him for this season? Huh. How angry do I want my Twitter mentions to be? Let um, it rip, man. I found this year that all we can do is stay true to the ana- yeah. the analysis that we can offer. If people don't like it, they're not going to like it. But if you do enough research and you have enough, I think I think that the LeBron on the court stuff is complicated. He clearly doesn't try on defense very often anymore. He has he has moments. He actually like against the Bucks. I actually thought he was excellent um, mm-hmm. for the entire game, um, which was one of the first times that I've seen that this year. Which is which is game. why I think the Lakers were in a position to upset the Bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so but he, I understand he's he's thirty. He's four. What, like thirty four. Is he thirty four? He's mm-hmm. thirty four. Man, he's thirty four. I'm so bad with ages. Um, but I, I think, like, at his age, he's not going to be able to give – he is 34. He's not going – at 34, he's not going to be able to give that type of effort on defense every so – like like every single game. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Like, that's just a reality of He would wind up physical. getting hurt. Yeah, exactly. That would be stupid for him mm-hmm. to do that. So I understand why he doesn't do that. At the same time, it's hard for me to reconcile that with calling his teammates' defensive focus into question, especially publicly. It's one thing to do it, mm-hmm. you know, in film session, and we don't know that he isn't doing that. He maybe he is. Um, it's one thing to do it on the court. He certainly does that. Um, which again, like we're we're all watching through a lens. Like they have to communicate with each other, even if it gets seen by cameras and stuff like that. Like them having emphatic discussions where they're shaking their hands at each other and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's gonna happen. Every player does that. Yeah. Um. The the through the media stuff, I have thought was somewhat unnecessary and a little hypocritical in some ways, especially the not the comments after the Memphis game, but the comments after the New Orleans game on a week that he announced all these details about Space Jam 2 and like the rap album that he was working on (laughs) was going to talk about how guys needed to focus and make sure that they cared about the playoffs. Is basketball actually your top priority? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, later on, the next week posted about, like, how honored he was, uh, <laughs> how, how honored he was to move up these rankings and that he had no words and then gave a thousand words on why it meant so much on Instagram after mm-hmm. a loss. Um, I think that the openly recruiting Anthony Davis, like, before, way before the trade deadline to set all of that stuff in motion right before a nationally televised game when the commentators were going to talk about that all week on ESPN mm-hmm. and uh, and then during that game. He knew what ESPN he was doing. Right? Yeah, he, he absolutely knew what he was doing. He always And you can say, doing. hey, like this guy is exercising player power and he has a right to do that and I agree with you. I just think like let's stop treating this as if you are wrong to think that that is maybe not a selfless thing to do. That mm-hmm. is a selfish thing to do. And hey, like, we can call a spade a spade. Like, if you're going to say that that's okay, he's doing what's best for him, then sure. 
But like, also the problem with his exercising a player's uh, a player's it's agency, it's affecting other guys' livelihoods, other people's agency. Yeah. yeah, he's not like he. It's not just about him. He's affecting all of these guys' agency yeah. and where they're going to play the next couple of years by grousing like this. And at the very least, by like, I I don't actually think that LeBron James is out there acting as a GM and making calls and all this stuff. We talked about this last. He week definitely with signs off on moves though. With, with Carter and Justin. Yeah, and uh, I think he he creates opportunities and all of these things but like when it's for a player that is that you share representation with these guys that share representation are like close or like as close as family yes, yeah. and when it's with the guy that you share representation with and a very coordinated media assault on the Pelicans to try and get him to the Lakers and all this stuff it, and he has your same agent who is also your childhood friend like i don't know that that's the type of thing that if the Lakers if the veterans that were all of a sudden in these trade rumors that LeBron had been talking up all up until this point were offended by that and decided to buy out and say, F this guy, I wouldn't really blame them. That's also their right mm-hmm. is in player yeah. agency. And if the younger guys who have, to their credit, I think mostly continue to play very hard throughout all this stuff. But if they were to start rolling their eyes when LeBron is talking about keeping your focus on the court and on the team that you have and on the game in front of you when he's trying to coordinate Anthony Davis to the Lakers while he's out with an injury, um, you know, I, I think that they would be justified in feeling a certain way about that. And like I think that this I think this has been a complicated season. It's hard to judge, but I I I don't think that LeBron comes out of this clean. Like there there were people talking about like whoa what a monumental failure of the Lakers if they don't get LeBron to the playoffs. Yes, but also LeBron <laughs> has has some level of power and control over this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like LeBron. I'm not saying that he deserves all the criticism for it, but LeBron does not come out of this blameless. I, I think so. It's tough. It's tough to separate whether or not it was a a a psychological or physical issue that LeBron had the second half of the year. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard coming, to separate coming off of a things. groin. That's a fair, absolutely fair concept. So, coming off of a groin injury. But with that said, I think once I think there were a couple big moments in in this Lakers season. There was the first time Carmelo Anthony came up. There was the first time that we got that we it got was the whispers. second, third, and fourth time that Carmelo. <laughs> yeah, <came> right. <laughs> we got we got uh, the 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 first time that LeBron's camp, quote unquote, LeBron's camp, totally separate from LeBron. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Once again, <laughs> we have to know that hey, like the, Anthony, stop! <laughs> it's not him. It's his camp. Okay, stop, please. I don't want LeBron to be mad at me. So like, so like, distant cousin is out yes. there just firing. It, there's off just there's a t- there's a, a tent encampment surrounding sa- Staples yeah. Center. It's the LeBron camp, <laughs> and you can only be a part of that camp until you're actually in physically in that camp. Yes, uh, but. There was that moment where he, where there was the rumors that LeBron's camp did not like Luke Walton, not LeBron, but Luke, LeBron's camp did not <laughs> like Luke Walton. This is camp. And then there was, and then there was the trade deadline. Those were the three key LeBron moments to me. And after each and every one of those, the after each and every one of those those moments, those those uh, those dates that we can look back on and remember, it felt like there was a, a, a moping period. And again, now post deadline and post injury, it's hard to to separate whether it was moping or injury. 
But in terms of the way that he handled the season, if he didn't get his way and the Lakers didn't didn't just give him the keys and tell him this, you can just run our organization, he did a little bit of moping. And and we all know that he's capable of being passive aggressive. And and I just think like if you're going to try to do that, then you also just like just like we talked about with Jeannie Buss, how if you're going to to allow personal relationships affect the way that you are going to do business and conduct yourself professionally, then you also have to be ready and willing to take the 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 egg that you have to wipe off of your face if that results in, in negative ramifications for the team and the franchise, the organization that you're working for. And I think that's what we saw for good chunks of this season. When when he didn't get his way, in those times where the, there were reports that, you know, the Lakers weren't interested in Carmelo Anthony because he's fat and can't play anymore. <laughs> It's like when those reports came out, you could almost you could almost guarantee that we were going to get a couple. You know, it was going to at least be a slow start for LeBron the next game, and and you know those kind those kinds of things when he's the unquestioned leader of the team, and you mope for any stretch of the season, that's going to hugely impact the way that your team can actually conduct themselves. And then you stack on top of that everything that you just mentioned and trying to acquire Anthony Davis, like. Yeah, he deserves a, I, I would say he deserves a smaller chunk of blame than probably ownership, but I would say he probably deserves as big a chunk of blame as Luke Walton gets. That's how I would put that. That's how I would do my math. I yeah, I don't think that that's unfair, and that's going to piss off his very active and uh, vitriolic stand base. I've muted all but... of them anyway. That's such a great term. I'm so angry. You came up with that term before we started recording, and I'm so angry. I never came up with that term. Harrison Fagan is going to trademark trademark stand base. <laughs> Are there any other aspects of of this that we can attribute blame to? God, Pete, his his video slipped a little bit. I'm, all I'm going to say is that the Lakers haven't made the playoffs since the Laker foam room started covering the team. No, so. if we really want to go there, they haven't done anything since they signed up with Spectrum. <clears throat> oh, I thought that you were going to say us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but since they, since they did I, that I started were... covering the team in 2010. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, you can check my face. Don't was, check my face. I was Facebook. a very professional high schooler. Do not journalist. ever look on my Facebook for my Lakers takes pre shit, even while I was at Rand Sports. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's play our games. We have two games to get to. Do you want to take a, a quick second before we get to that? Yeah, we might as well. I mean, we're, this is going to be a long podcast, guys. So we hope we're just we're here to we're, yeah, we're, we're going to have some fun on these next two segments. It's going to be sort like, of maybe. We'll yeah. See. All right, let's get to this game here. We promised we were going to end on a, on a lighter note. We have two games to play. First, we're going to play the additions versus the subtractions. On <laughs> That's the a good name for this. On the add, <laughs> problem is they would be. It's it's subtraction via addition in a lot of the cases of of the the yes. additions that the Lakers have actually made. Is that the joke you were making? No, I mean, I just thought it was a clever name okay. for the segment. But uh, but additions versus subtractions, we have obviously LeBron at the top of the list of additions. Well, right? should we explain the premise of this game again since we initially explained it 45 minutes ago? Okay. 
The premise of the game is the Lakers have added, and I'll go through the list, they have added LeBron James, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Reggie Bullock, Rajon Rondo, Mike Muscala, Tyson Chandler, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Over the last couple of years, those are the non-draft acquisitions that the Lakers have made. Because we're not giving the, we are not weighing the draft guys because we're just weighing NBA player valuation. Yeah. Uh, the guys that the Lakers have lost over the last or let few go. years. Or let go. D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, uh, Brooke Lopez, Thomas Bryant, Evita Zubox, Jordan Clarkson, and Larry Nance Jr. I guess I could add L- Lou Aldang and Timothy Moskov <laughs> oh, to that. God. <laughs> I guess you could. Speaking of addition by, <laughs> by just... I don't know that that would help their team. Yeah. Although, I don't know. Dane's played okay. Dane has not looked okay. Yeah, he's, he's looked, looked all right he's in looked Minnesota. pretty dang good. <sighs> <laughs> We've been recording for too long. We have. All right. So I would imagine the starting five of the added team, right, is Rondo. Can, Casey, you, can you move this list so that I can actually see it? <laughs> yeah. Rondo. So I would go Rondo, KCP, Bullock, LeBron, and JaVale. Yeah. I think right? that's fair. That's their that's their starting five. For the other team, for the guys that the Lakers have lost, D'Angelo Russell at the one, Jordan Clarkson, I guess, at the two, uh, Larry Nance Jr. at the three. Yeah, th- this team doesn't really have a three, per yeah. se. And then you have Julius Randle and Brooke Lopez. Which that's like a that's like almost a lineup that the Lakers trotted out last year. It's a uh, yeah. Well that's because Luke Walker was Russell employed. But but who, which team? Which team would you would you roll with here? I mean, I take the LeBron team just because I think LeBron and like Bullock gets you past that team. Uh, like if LeBron's actually trying, which I guess we don't know that he always is, but he would sulk like hell on this team. That is that is his team. But that's part of the. <laughs> yeah. All right, we should have also mentioned this in 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 back in the last segment, right? Yeah. Is that like you can't you can't sign off on all of these moves. And then also, bitch, when these moves don't work out, like that's what it, you know, when we talked about, when we talked earlier, earlier about uh, the front office and ownership, I'm a little skeptic that they're going to be able to admit their own mistakes here. I would imagine LeBron has some of that too, right? And and we already saw him some of that, have some of that this season. Uh, but, but in those, I actually take the loss team. Of course you do because it has it has your goat on it. And two of them. Russell. It has two of my goats, Russell and Randall. Oh, I thought you were we say already Thomas saw Bryant. nobody was able to to defend Julius Randall when the Lakers played New Orleans the other game, right? The the fact that the one team has LeBron and that this is still even a question really pretty is, wild. Like we don't really need to declare a winner here. We're gonna let you guys decide. If yeah. you think that even like the fact that this is even in doubt at all, at all, and and I, I think it's legitimately in doubt. Yeah, and I that's, le- legit- that's an indictment of the front office. And 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 again, like this is this is where I I agree with you when you said that those takes that the Lakers somehow failed LeBron by not getting him to the playoffs. You know, to a certain extent they they kind of sort of did, but he also understood what he was getting himself involved with and signed off on a lot of those moves, right? So he doesn't he he's not completely absolved to blame himself. Where the Lakers did fail, the people that the Lakers did fail are obviously Laker fans, which that matters a lot to me. 
It, we talked about. I, I, we were going to talk. All at one of you point. except the ones that deface the murals. I'm convinced this is your fault. Well, those are all Kobe karma. stands. Like those are. <laughs> Those aren't actual Laker fans. Well, and now we've pissed off every segment of our <laughs> listenership. No, I'm here we defending. Just, we did it. <laughs> I'm here defending Laker fans. It really matters to me that this community that has given us, you and I personally, a hell of a lot, right? I literally, two seconds ago, got paid. Like, it means a lot to me that this community that has given me the ability to, to raise a family... I, this 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 community that has risen me up from from damn near nothing. Like it matters to me that these guys, that the, that the Magic Johnsons, that the Rob Palinkas, that the Genie Buses, the LeBron James, they do right by these fans. It fucking no, matters. And, that's, and, and actually, that that is something that I just want to say that I I I really appreciate about people like you and Pete is that you are both fans at like the heart of everything that you do and that you care I don't deeply. like saying these things you care deeply about this audience and you want them like to have good things and that's why you want to hold these people to account it, it's because yeah. you think that they should be held to a high standard because it matters to you that they do well it's not Hugely. this impartial thing and like uh you know i i think that that i, I think that that's important to have in this yeah. sphere I and, and and I absolutely believe it, and 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 I would extend that also. By the way, to NBA fans in general, we're heading into a playoffs, man, where LeBron James isn't going to be playing. That no, thing, man. Hey, I, NBA Twitter will tell you that the they're very excited to watch the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, that'll be exciting for half of a game. Yeah, well, a it'll also, it'll be excited for like a few people on Twitter, and not like. Yeah, and it'll the vast be, majority yeah, of NBA it'll be fans. it'll people will apparently really like it when Patrick Beverly again runs into Russell Westbrook's knee. Like that'll Can apparently be great. I wouldn't shock it would shock you? No. It wouldn't shock me at all. And so like that, Although he did uh, honestly, I got to give props to him. He did really just like own the Lakers tonight. He was physical all over the place, really helped the Clippers win. And then was and that was just the in the post. And then was walking by the <laughs> and then was walking by the Lakers locker room after the game, and uh, and just was like, "What are you guys?" I went to the, all the media there and was like, "What are you? Where are you guys looking at for? Like the the locker rooms down there? They aren't doing that, anything in there." <laughs> That's incredible. That's a great line. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's finish this up with a Byron chapter. Oh yes. So, um, well, if all of that, what is the fifty-two minutes that has preceded this, did not teach the Lakers how to have success, I have found the solution in <laughs> slam dunk success, leading from every position on life's court. So, Anthony and I, as though as longtime listeners know, because we haven't gotten to do this segment in a while because things have happened, mainly like we just didn't read our chapters and kind of forgot. So that's on us. There was a lot going on. We had a trade deadline, then we had guests, and then, yeah. Yeah, let's blame it on that. Um, <laughs> so, the, I, but I finally got to chapter four, which is titled Fighting Complacency. I, given the Byron Scott fist fight quotes and all of that stuff, I was assuming that this literally was going to be a chapter about him, like, fighting complacency, like, with his fists. <laughs> like, if he saw somebody that was comfortable just punching them, <laughs> being like, get out of here, complacency. Only if they're Leave. of a certain age. Like, if they're yeah. 23 and younger, he's punching them. Yeah. If they're, if they're um, older. Like, rolling up a newspaper and just whacking them. Yeah. Just being like, no complacency. If anything, he might ask an older person, why aren't you currently punching a younger person? Yes. Because you why are you being fight? so complacent and not punching these younger people? Exactly. Being, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, 
The, I actually, it was not about that, so I was a little disappointed. That's but a like after reading through um, Byron's parts of this, because I, I I'm gonna, not gonna lie to you, I don't, I cheat and I don't actually read the Charlie parts because no, I don't read those either. It's not that relevant for our podcast. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is a sub chat. There is like a subheading because all the chapters have headings called uh, called calling guys out, and I was like, wow, if that isn't the most Byron Scott. <laughs> Strategy for success I have ever heard. Hey, you suck. Yeah. Fought complacency. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) he he fought complacency. He figured out who was going to, you know, you got to call guys out when you wouldn't want to be in a foxhole with them. Did Did he ever call himself out in this chapter? No, he did not. This is going to shock you. Whoa. Um, he, did, he did talk about how, um, you know, how great the Showtime Lakers were and how key he was to contributing to them and why. Oh, good. And why Larry Brown wanted him and his championship mentality on the Pacers. So, but anyway, so th- this chapter, this is probably the best part of this whole chapter, was that um, – He was talking about when he went to join the Pacers, and I'll just read from this. So he goes, Reggie Miller was the star of that team, and his talent was through the roof, but he wasn't that vocal a leader. He would say little things here and there, but he didn't get on guys the way others would. He he was also one of these guys that would do just enough in practice to be ready for the game. He worked, but he didn't go 150 miles an hour. He just practiced. He was always ready for the game, but the guys following his lead, who were maybe less talented, would not be as ready. And then he proceeds to go on and tell a story about how he, you know, when he got to Indiana, he declared to reporters that the team needed to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and essentially credited himself for, like, allowing Reggie Miller to be great. <laughs> he's, a, he's a gift. No, no joke. Here's an actual sentence following that. That was it. I put it out there. That was leadership before even leaving the airport. I issued them a challenge, and now we all had to live up to it. <laughs> He's just so what we need, what we what we learned is that the Lakers just need to make grand proclamations mm-hmm. that they can't live up to, like that we're going to make the playoffs, and that <laughs> that's going to. Oh, wait! They that figured it work. out. That no, well, it's not going to work. It didn't work. Yeah, so and I mean, then math is tough. the only other thing that I learned from this chapter was um, I guess th- this was from the this was the the X's and O's they do the roundup of like the bullet points of what you just learned in case you, you yeah know, those are my favorite sections well that's the only part that Anthony reads I'm yeah convinced, but still uh, makes it my favorite third bullet point was you learn as much from a poorly run team as from a successful one oh he would know a lot about the, so that's the, what I'm saying yeah. I've learned a lot this year. Byron learned a lot from <laughs> that Lakers team. I have learned a lot. Yeah. Which which do you, which team do you think was more disappointing? This has been a topic of conversation over Twitter. You started it, I think. You were uh, the trendsetter. Apparently I did. Yeah. Which team is more disappointing, this or the Dwight Mayor? I, I got to go the Dwight Mayor because, for me, that was my last season watching purely as a fan before I started doing this mm-hmm. uh, professionally. And the Lakers haven't made the playoffs since, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that one was more disappointing to me because I was like I was way more invested. I was like I was just rooting for them to win and make the playoffs. And like then they, they were sold as this like they were going to walk onto the floor and like challenge the Bulls record of 72 wins. And they were going to, you know, like sweep their way to the finals. And this was going to be one of the greatest teams ever put together. And they just were not it even close really to that. Good. Whereas like this team, 
you know, like we've roused on them a lot during this last hour, but th- this team never sold themselves that highly. And while it was disappointing, it was a team that didn't show a lot of heart. It was a team that didn't live up to expectations. It was a team that had just as many injury woes as that 2012 team, if not more. Uh, I, I still feel like that 2012 team was probably more disappointing given the expectations for them. I, I still think this is more disappointing. It's at least more annoying. This this, this team, like, you know, for for all of the... I, I, I hate Kobe stands as much as the next person. <laughs> I'm going to isolate that clip. But but for for one of the, the valid points that they make is that Kobe was willing to go out swinging to a fault almost, right? He literally snapped his Achilles trying to drag that team to the playoffs. Yeah, and people don't want to—I don't want to open up the Kobe versus LeBron debate again, but I just—and LeBron was injured. You Mm -hmm. know, he had the groin injury, and he was coming off of that. We noted all that. I never felt like LeBron hit that mode. Even no. after the activated playoff mode, any of that, and maybe he that's couldn't. why it was maybe Joe- he couldn't. And and again, I, that, I don't. I forget exactly how it that's was. Kobe why the I same age see- that year. Uh, he was close to it. Yeah, at the very I actually think yeah, so. he might have been literally the same age. But I don't know. I just never felt like LeBron hit that level. And how much of that is his fault? How much of that is physical limitations? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I, well, that's where he opened himself up to the criticism, right? Where he when he literally and said, that is, again, I'm not I saying Kobe's better than LeBron. No. But I think I, LeBron I still think even after this season that has been very disappointing and changed the way that I view him as a player and all of that stuff, I still think he's the best player of all time. I I, I consider this season more disappointing um, from this standpoint. I wanted to I never really did believe in him, but I wanted to believe in Magic Johnson. I want to believe in Genie Bus. I remember the day that Dr. Jerry Bus died, I have his coin that you gave me still here on my desk. I remember the day that 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 on his at his funeral at his uh, memorial uh, that Jeannie Bus stood up there on the stage, not a dry eye in the house, and she said, "The buses will never sell." And I remember like standing up and applauding. I wanted, I want her and her family to actually figure this out because the Bus family does mean a ton to the Lakers as as an institution they mean a lot to the city as an institution and and what makes this season all the more frustrating to me is magic johnson icon screwed this season up uh genie bus icon screwed this season up lebron james who i held in a really high regard heading into the season is a legitimate icon i, I i'm willing to go that far in terms of his impact on and off the court screwed the season up and 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 you know while my expectations for that other team were were obviously higher, I thought that lineup between Steve Nash's ability to knock shots down when he didn't have the ball, him and Dwight Howard running pick and rolls, Kobe handling isolation whenever he had to, Pau Gasol still build, still being really good, and then the role players that surrounded those guys, I thought that team made a ton of sense. I thought they were going to win a championship that year, um, but to me, this season was just was so much more cumbersome because at every step along the way, the worst possible outcome came came to fruition, right? Where the medical staff, for I don't know how far to blame them, where to put that at, but, but Lonzo Ball goes down and misses more time than we would have liked. 
Brandon Ingram <clears throat> misses time. Rajon Rondo misses a quarter of the season. Now Kuzma is hurt. So we don't know how that's going to go heading into next year. The trade deadline went about as as horribly as it possibly could have gone. Not just in terms of the, the actual, the way it turned out and the acquisitions that the Lakers didn't make, but the damage that they did to the brand of the Lakers. The Lakers should never have been that desperate for a player. Ever. Not desperate that not desperate enough to to to, to negotiate against themselves with with the lowly New Orleans freaking Pelicans with the GM who yeah, was about to get fired anyway? They got punked by Del Demps. Yeah. Like that, everything involved there to me. And now maybe it might be because I'm paying more attention now than I did back then. Uh, that might be why I consider this more more disappointing or more annoying. And there's more social media there and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I think that's what goes into it. But, man, I hope shit turns around. Well, I, I, I just think that I, I think we can wrap up on this. The, yeah. the biggest indictment of this season is that we're having this season wrap-up podcast with 18 games left 18 to go. games. There's almost a quarter of the season left. It's it's almost artistic that we're having this this conversation with 18 games to go. How many games did LeBron miss this year? I think it was 18, right? 18, 18 on the money. 18. 18. Okay. Wild. <laughs> Wild. And now, you know that makes a difference. Again, we can't we can't not acknowledge that. But like all the people saying, oh, they were fourth seed in the West when LeBron went down, and they would have been fine if that hadn't happened. Like maybe. But every team deals with injuries. Every team deals with injuries, and you can't count on a 34 year old staying healthy the entire season. You just can't. No. No, and And maybe not this serious of an injury, but like that is the risk you take when you say, "Okay, we're going to sign LeBron for the last couple years of his career." You take the risk that he's going to take injuries. Maybe you don't think it's the most likely outcome. I didn't think that it was the most likely outcome, but that is a chance that you take, and and you can still evaluate that. And and once again, once again this year, the Lakers were hampered by a backup point guard who couldn't carry any burden whatsoever when Lonzo went down. We're too harsh on Tyler Ennis. (laughs) <laughs> we should end it there <laughs> have a good one everybody I need more wine